Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine. It's a Star Trek podcast. <laughs> Derp Space Nine. <laughs> it's a Star Trek podcast by two guys. My who favorite Cern's Fiction sure. <laughs> by two guys who were doing memes from three years ago. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. I think that meme is from like seven years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no kidding. We're still talking about hot dogs hitting faces and angry <laughs> office cubicle guys in yeah. this in these parts of the podcast world. So welcome if yeah. you've if you've been a part of a freak cryogenics accident and you've just been awoken. You might really get our form of comedy. I think that uh, at least in the case of hot dogs hitting face, <laughs> in uh, the case of hot dogs v face, it's a classic. You know. <laughs> it's like hearing Africa by Toto. You know, it's a little a little dated, yeah, sure, but it's a great it's a great jam. No one can resist that high harmony. <laughs> yeah. The high harmony as far as I'm concerned is the only part you want to sing in Africa. Yeah. Who knows what is even meant by let's take some time to do the things we never had and that one part of hot dogs hitting face dot gif. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's probably probably sex stuff, right? Yeah, probably. <laughs> ben, I got a uh, a really fun voicemail message, and I thought I might play it for you. Oh, would really? You like hear I, it? I would love to hear a fun voicemail message. All right, I'm going to see if I can make this work. I feel like Mitch from Doughboys. <laughs> <laughs> I've hit play. Hi, this is the UPS store calling. Uh, just because we got a package in today. Uh, for buck two sixty three, uh, but the name on there is Jim Shimoda, and <laughs> we weren't sure if uh, if you knew who that was, uh, and if that was if that was something that is supposed to be for you. Uh, otherwise, we'll just return it to sender. Uh, so if you could give us a call back, that would be great. Uh, <laughs> could you hear any of that? That is great. Uh, and so I did go to our P.O. box, Ben, and I got some mail. I thought I might open that. You want to open some mail with me? Open that shit. Captain, I'm sorry to disturb you. I'm receiving a code 47. Verify. It is code 47, sir. Start lead emergency frequency. Captain's eyes only. Ben, on the top of the pile, uh, we got a postcard from friend of the podcast, Ann Kilzer. Yay. She sent us a coconut and visor postcard that that looks hand-drawn that says greetings from risa postcard says this hello from the greatest gen con at c 2018 where we sipped coco (laughs) no-nos lavar burton read us bedtime stories brent spiner serenaded us and frakes judged a chair mounting contest Q said hi to me i got to try kalar loaf from john paladin wow and I even found a Cruzimzadi. Hey! LLAP and kills her. Go, Anne. Anne, you're the greatest. Yeah, Anne uh, at MaxFunCon East showed us her plans to create a Dr. Crusher uniform. She's uh, she's one of our craftiest viewers. And then uh, and in the in the time between MaxFunCon East and the cruise, she made that uniform, posed for pictures with it uh, with a bunch of Star Trek celebrities and posted a bunch of them uh, on Twitter and Facebook like really cool stuff it turned out great fuck yeah got a letter here from Joe L from Melbourne Florida looks like we got a a bifold card with a with a nice <laughs> a nice uh, a nice swampy scene uh-huh. Uh, in like a like a painted swamp scene. Uh, this is, I guess, what passes for holiday cards from Florida. <laughs> Inside is written Adam and Ben seasons greetings from sunny Florida. As it is that festive time of year, I thought I'd send you guys some Shimoda worthy cards from the 1991 25th anniversary trading card set, and my cheers to the finest crew in Starfleet. 
TGG has truly been the gift that keeps on giving, and I've met many new friends due to your excellent work. It was a pleasure to meet you in D.C. Merry Christmas from oh, Joe. Man. Cool. And he Thank sent you. us some fun cards as well. Thanks, Joe. Then our next package is a tube. <laughs> it is two Jim Shimoda. <laughs> Which, is it like uh, a dildo length tube or is it more of like a poster length tube? It's it's a bazooka sized tube. It's, oh man. It's, it's really big. One of the big ones. I hope it's not actually bazooka actual. <laughs> Alright. It is open. And it is stuffed with a rolled up piece of paper that is taped shut. I'm unrolling it. (laughs) This is like the Geraldo opening up the safe. (laughs) It is a, it's a painting of Darth Vader on a unicorn wearing roller skates (laughs) and they are, and they are like flying over a field of tulips. Oh, man. Oh, this guy emailed us. Letter enclosed is from Alex Gross. Dear yeah. Adam and Ben, I've been a viewer of your pod for over a year now. As other viewers have said before, it's very nice to spend an hour not worrying about nuclear holocaust. <laughs> or the next... But instead, enjoying your take on what has always been one of my favorite shows. Although I never really got into DS9, I still love hearing you guys discuss it, and it's going to someday... Perhaps, maybe, almost make me want to watch it. Enclosed is a little thank you gift, although Darth Vader on a unicorn has nothing to do with Trek. I thought you might still enjoy it. (laughs) And we do, Alex. Thanks so much, man. If you want to see Alex's work, you can go to alexgross.com. He's a really talented painter and has a lot of Darth Vader-themed work uh, (laughs) on display. Some real fun stuff. It is really beautiful. Yeah, I'm jealous of how much talent this dude has. He's like, he kicks ass. Oh, we've got a, a letter here from Robert Al. We met him at uh, our San Francisco Sketchfest show. Yeah, Robert of uh, Robert and Hope of Jail Pipes the Dog. That is right. Who almost snapped your nose off with with her bitiness. <laughs> Whoa, yeah, that is one thing that we didn't share on the last episode when we were talking about the memories of Sketchfest. Yeah. I got in real close to JL Pipes, and JL Pipes did not like it at all. Well, I JL Pipes feel... was overwhelmed by the throng of people in that room, I think. It wouldn't have been Pipes' fault if Pipes had bit me, but Robert and Hope are such nice people that I know they would have felt awful about it, and I would have felt awful about them feeling awful. So yeah. I'm, I'm glad it didn't happen. Well, you, you probably need that nose, too. Look at this nose. You think I need it? You think I need even 40% of it? <laughs> ben Robert has enclosed a James Darren CD. An unopened, still in the rapper James Darren CD. Letter says, I thought I'd send you guys a little light listening to prepare you for later seasons of DS9. And as a reminder that the best is yet to come. <laughs> so enjoy the crooning of Vic Fontaine. James Darren, I guess, but to me, he'll always be Jean-Luc, I mean Vic, as you sip a uh, Racagino. Oh, and since I w- it was mentioned on the episode I viewed this morning, go ahead and tell people who accuse you of virtue signaling or whatever to go stuff it. <laughs> Thanks for always putting a smile on my face and for creating not just the best Star Trek pod out there, but also the best Star Trek community out there. Oh... Uh... Keep up the great work, and I hope you enjoy the music. Thanks, Robert. The community building is something that we can take very little credit for. That was something that the viewers did themselves, and uh, they did a great job. Yeah, I I defer all responsibility back onto the viewers for that. And it's probably going to be the thing that outlasts us and the show and anyone's memory of it. I hope so. It's just a great group of people. Really, uh... Really sweet, funny, creative, and talented people. And uh, we're lucky to even have a small part in it. Very true. I mean, that they are what make the after show hang so special. Yeah. Last letter, Ben. 
comes from Herbie Spicy, care of the Warm Honeyed Bosom. <laughs> All the way from Calgary, Alberta. This is a this is a return address familiar to me from a from a P1 we did not too long ago. Yeah. Oh. If your name was Herb, would you go by Herbie? You're gonna want to take those opportunities as they present themselves. I think. What we got here, Ben, is a fight poster uh, in the in the boxing vernacular. It is you Ooh. versus me. <laughs> Friends of DeSoto presents our Ben and Adam fighting again. <laughs> and then two pictures of us found on the internet. <laughs> oh no. Benjamin R. Harrison versus Adam Pranica every Monday forever. <laughs> that's great. Good times. Uh, yeah, that's a Marcus of Cre- Queensbury rules, Adam, so nothing below the belt. Uh, yeah, I won't Waxana that package if you don't Waxana mine. <laughs> Thanks, Herbie Spicy. Thank uh, you, everybody. I sure do love opening up the mail. Yeah, if you'd like to uh, get in touch or uh, send us something, just send an email to drunkshimoda at gmail.com, and uh, we'll, we'll talk that over with you. Uh, make sure you address those packages to uh, either Benjamin or myself, as uh, <laughs> as any other aliases tend to confuse the good people who work at the P.O. Box spot. So, thanks. Adam, should we discuss some app? I'm ready. Are you ready? Fucking A. All right, let's do it. Let's go ahead and get on into Deep Space Nine, Season 1, Episode 17, Dramatis Personae. That can only mean uh, multiple dramas, right? Mm-hmm. Like persona is is the plural of persona. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's that means. A, is that a Greek plural or something like that? Oh yeah. I tried a Greek plural one time in college. Not for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm reserving judgment because I haven't done it twice. <laughs> Yeah, might have just gone bad the first time. I guess I should go go for it again, but I have to have my wife's permission. You don't want to have the brown persona <laughs> if that gets passed around. Yeah. Do you realize how incredible this is? <laughs> no, of course you don't. Major Kira is like asking for permission to fuck up the program of an alien ship that's trying to dock at. Uh, Deep Space Nine, because they are, uh, she suspects, carrying weapons-grade dolomite. <laughs> Dolomite's not in here! Don't give us any of that bullshit, baby. We know he's here. I'm just assuming that that means Rudy Ray Moore is a passenger <laughs> on the ship. <laughs> Kira straight up hates these Valerians. Yeah. And it's, and it's because they were responsible for a lot of the arms smuggling uh, to the Cardassians during the war. Not even smuggling during the war. They were just like in business with the Cardassians and selling the Cardassians things that the Cardassians were using to make life miserable for the Bajorans. She knows as much as anyone that when you come into contact with something Valerian, you're going to want to make sure you got a lot of protection. When I was in college, we had a big campaign to divest in Valeria (laughs) because of uh, their complicity with Cardassian war crimes. Yeah. Valeria 2012. Doing business with the Valerians makes you complicit with the crimes of the Cardassians. <laughs> I guess Vichy French guy probably would be more on the side of the Cardassians, though. So, <laughs> I don't know. I retract that dumb interjection. <laughs> it would have been fun if Vichy French guy was was in the movie theater for Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets movie. <laughs> Let's uh, let's retcon that story and make that the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I didn't see that movie, so I don't know what he would have been yelling. But uh, I don't, I don't know anyone who did. This film is not sexist enough. <laughs> Cara Delevingne is going to be a great, great big star. <laughs> the midriff of women's shirts should not be on. This should come right off. I liked this movie the first time I saw it. When it was the fifth element. 
<laughs> I wonder how good the insulation is in both of our houses. Like, do you think people are just walking by hearing us <laughs> <laughs> scream unintelligible French accented bullshit <laughs> at strange times of day? Glad we do the show in the daytime. Must be why my mailman always gives me a weird look when he, uh, <laughs> we have this weird setup where to drop the mail off. The mailman comes up the steps and can basically like look into the living room where I am often sitting on the couch. He, he, oh no! Because he comes and drops him drops the mail at like five forty five. So I've usually like called it a day, and I'll just be like you know sitting watching an episode of television or something, waiting for the that's, wife to that's come home. Prime cranking a time right there. I, I know. Yeah, I've had to really adjust everything about my schedule. <laughs> <laughs> It's a, it's a lot like uh, taking a shit. Like, you want to do it at the same time of day for, yeah. uh, for optimum release. Get in the habit. <laughs> God, with, with how crazy your gate is, I'm surprised you don't have a mailbox that's outside of it. I know. It's, part, it's one of the reasons that the gate is a problem. Like, we asked for the landlord to change the latch and, and put a lock on it, and she, she couldn't do it because the, the mailboxes for our unit and the one next to us are inside the gate. I thought for sure, like when I was a little kid and tubes at banks were a thing, that that would be how our mail eventually got to us. And here we are, like 25, 30 years later, there's no tubes taking our mail to us. It's still a guy. (laughs) Who stopped the advance of the technology of pneumatics? (laughs) Everything should be sent by vacuum tube. By not going full tube, you're just asking for a mailman to see you crank it. (laughs) It's the butterfly effect. You failed to make that decision 30 years ago. (laughs) You see, Rudy, as you age into your manhood, you've got to get yourself on a schedule so that when (laughs) you're punching your meat, the mailman doesn't come up the stairs and see you jerking it off. Theo, a man can occasionally feel a sense of shame (laughs) when he's punching the clown. (laughs) What I like to do is put the pill in my own drink. That way (laughs) I forget about my sense of shame in my refractory period. (laughs) That way I just gently fall asleep on my couch. (laughs) Theo. <laughs> Felicia Rashad. <laughs> oh, God. We're going to get so many letters. <laughs> yeah. But. We're putting off the inevitable, Ben. Mm-hmm. Cisco talks Kira into letting these Valerians uh, land and do their thing. And he says, hey, listen, why don't we try it my way where we don't act like assholes to them from jump, but if we find out that they're up to something bad, uh, we can we can make a problem for them then. And uh, there's lots of ways we can go about finding out what they're up to. Yeah, I mean, Cisco's smart. He's like, it would be best if we just lay back in the cut and watch the Valerians make a mistake. Like, you don't have to go, you don't have to go locking them to, to the docking ring and... <laughs> And throwing your weight around on on board that ship like they haven't done anything wrong yet. And because we're Federation, we got to do things by the book. Yeah. Innocent until proven guilty, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought it was cool that Kira saw the, the logic in this. Like she's so wired to to just like ride hard for the opinion she comes in with. I feel like this is an interesting bit of character development that she's starting to kind of see the benefit of working with her her Federation counterparts and not uh, at cross purposes with them. We'll try it your way. Good. There's something basically insubordinate about using the term, we'll do it your way this time, though, (laughs) that she says to Cisco that sort of made me reflexively wince. Yeah. Ooh, you really do think you're an equal on this station. <laughs> like, I don't know that I could ever say that to an authority figure and not have bad things visited upon me. If I ever said that to my wife, for example. <laughs> no kidding. Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah. Bad times. Golden cut. The cut. Golden cut. 
Right. So, one of my favorite things in Star Trek happens uh, not long after this. They go out into Ops, and the wormhole opens up and reveals a Klingon ship, a big one, that yeah. then almost immediately explodes. Yeah. Drops a huge banger on the station. Mm-hmm. They don't have time to put up shields or, or anything. Like They know what this ship is. It stopped at the station on its way into the wormhole, uh, but it's back super early, and uh, and the the fact that it is... <clears throat> that is coming back as a surprise. The fact that it's blowing up is a surprise. And just after it blows, they uh, detect that a uh, transporter signal is coming coming into ops. And O'Brien is, like, trying to clean it up. <laughs> He's like, stand aside. I'm an ex-transporter chief. Yeah, and... <laughs> I like that uh, that he's like struggling with it a bit and Dax like transporter splains a bit to him. Something's interfering with the rematerialization process. Lock onto it with our transporter signal. Try boosting the annular containment field. Yeah, that was he's nice. Like, he's like, I know. <laughs> this used to be all I did. <laughs> I'm not used to doing it in front of other people. <laughs> Like he turns, he turns his back to the rest of ops, and he like you could see his shoulders working. Yeah, just yeah. give me a minute. Uh, I, I watched a uh, like a video on the New York Times website one time about Alice Waters going to a farmers market in New York, and she's like she's like touching you know rutabagas or something, and the person working at the stand says, "Oh, those are uh, organic rutabagas," and she goes, "I know, I know." <laughs> <laughs> like Alice Waters could not could not brook somebody assuming that she didn't know what she was holding if it was a food thing. This is uh, kind of kind of how Brian reacts to to Dax's uh, suggestion. He's like, oh, "I'm already doing that." Okay. Every time someone transports themselves during an exploding ship incident, yeah, I always expect like. Wet red mist to yeah. be the thing that that reaches the destination. You know, if they that would be such a great effect if they could like if it, if they could get it to where the sparkly lights disappear and just like buckets of gore <laughs> splatter all over. Ben, there's the one show pan. that could pull that off right now, and it's Star Trek Discovery. That's true. Yeah, still got a couple episodes this season. They could yeah. go for it. <laughs> So they get this guy on board, and he is a critically wounded Klingon person. He's not in great shape, and uh, they're like they're trying to stabilize him, trying to get medical attention to him. Everybody is up in ops; like the whole the whole gang is here. And uh, this guy, he basically gets one word out. He says "victory," and uh, and then shuffles loose this mortal coil. Pretty great last word, Ben. Yeah. Have you thought about what your last word will be? Probably freedom. <laughs> As I'm drawn and quartered. <laughs> Blue paint all over my face. I feel like my last word will be, God damn it. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Because I direction, can have a hyphen it, right? Yeah. Can I, can I, can I get a, a whole phrase, Adam? Could I have it be, give me a break? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, that could be yours. <laughs> That's entered my vernacular because of you, by the way. You said that to me. You said that to me one time, and I was like, is give me a break such an unusual thing to say? I think it is. I mean, for certain people, I I had never thought to say that. Maybe it's an East Coast thing. Maybe I picked it up in my time in New York. Yeah, when you're from Seattle, you just stew silently. (laughs) Yeah. It's a it's a different mode of life. <laughs> You're probably coming off as a real asshole to everybody around you now. <laughs> you don't need to tell me that. <laughs> oh, I know. The thought is floated that maybe the mission recorder survived the explosion of this ship. Yeah, they got to send a runabout out there for it. Got to send a runabout. It's a good idea. O'Brien and Dax are assigned to that. Dax, like, is a little distracted and forgets to go with O'Brien to the runabout. Lieutenant? Yes? You coming? Adam, I had this question. If the mission recorder survived the explosion, why not make the whole ship out of whatever you make the mission recorder? (laughs) 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 Oh, you are a delight, Benjamin. Uh, I'll be here all week. Tip your bartender. 
I am looking forward to your 90-second Netflix comedy special. <laughs> you know, in a long enough timeline, everyone's going to have one, Ben. Yeah. I feel like that would be a good show. If Netflix yeah. had a had a, a TV series that was 90-second comedy specials. I, I feel like everyone has a tight 90, right? The unfunniest people ever can can make something right. for 90 seconds. They know, like, a street joke or whatever. Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be interesting. Wouldn't that be interesting to just put on and just zone out to? We should be television producers. I've been saying this from the start. I've been saying it from the start. We have good ideas. (laughs) Somebody in Hollywood, please. I keep going to one meeting only. (laughs) (laughs) Someone's going to give you more meeting callbacks, Ben. Yeah. I think part of part of the problem with my like two Hollywood meetings that I've ever had in my entire life is that they asked me to like send them something and I just didn't because I didn't <laughs> think that the idea was good enough. Oh man. That uh that self censorship kills the, the creative heart. It I, does, but I sure know what that's like. Yeah, but it, it's also like I you know, like if I walk away from a meeting with somebody and they say like Hey, that's like a great idea. Send me like a little write-up of that. The entire drive home is me going, do I really want to like devote a whole bunch of emotional energy to the idea of like, I'm going to get a TV show. I'm going to make a television show. <laughs> like, like what is the upside? Like, like worst case scenario, I like convince myself it's going to happen. And then uh, like what is what probably happens is them pulling the plug at some totally unexpected point and Mimi being emotionally devastated. The best case scenario is I get stuck having to do a shit ton of work and not knowing what I'm doing. Ask any successful podcaster what they're in it for and, and, and they'll tell you. You're in it to avoid real work. That's the whole reason we're here. Yeah. So uh, that's that's the uh, <laughs> I should really probably stop even putting myself in for these meetings. Stop wasting everybody's fucking time. They're uh, they're rich and powerful and have uh, real shit to do. I don't know, man. Uh, the bottled water's nice. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Good bottled water at those things. You know that feeling of being unable to creatively launch is something that uh, like whenever I get the mail. from our viewers totally reverses because there's something in them that makes them make things and then those things get sent to us that is totally inspiring because there is something about that that does not exist in me personally like you and i have talked about this a couple of times about like our live shows like we wouldn't we wouldn't necessarily hang out after and go up and and shake the hand of somebody whose work we really like but when people do it for us, it's like the nicest, sweetest thing in the whole wide world. It's like, it is such a thrill to like get to meet all of the people that came out to the show afterwards. I think it, it makes me, it makes me a better person to feel that kind of empathy. Like, like I know how hard it is to come up to, to a person in that moment. And I think it has made me aware in a way that I, was not before to to what that's like and hopefully it means that it's a good hang for anyone who does yeah that's what i'm trying to make it i I mean unless they unless they sick their attack dog on me (laughs) i think all parties will be happy Dax's little moment of forgetfulness is kind of the first uh, the first indication that we get that something weird is going on. But um, but the the way the episode proceeds is like Odo gets put in charge of like asking around the station about like who these Klingons were. Did anything seem weird about them to other people on the station before they left? Like why? Why did the ship explode? Like, what can we what can we find out from what happened before they left? And uh, 
and so he starts like doing some research. He goes down to Quark's bar, uh, like threatens Quark with uh, with pulling a work crew off of scrubbing the cum out of one of the hollow suites. <laughs> cum uh, crew seven. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's he says like, uh, oh, there's actually some cum in one of my uh, in one of my cells. I could I could put in a priority request for those guys, and they would have to come clean my cum first. And uh, Quark is like, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> There's a real cum hierarchy here. Yeah. And uh, it turns out that these Klingons uh, had a specific, like, they were supposed to be on a biological survey of the Gamma Quadrant, but they confessed to people while they were on board the space station that they were heading uh, through the wormhole to go get something that uh, they thought would be an awesome weapon that would help them bring the enemies of the Klingon Empire to their knees or whatever. Unsurprisingly, uh, mission logs stored aboard Klingon ships are kept on VHS tape. (laughs) Experience, bitch. That have then been, like, pulled out from the tape and then rewound with your fingers. Yeah, yeah. Chief O'Brien replicated a... uh, like a black wing Palomino <laughs> pencil and wound the tape back up. Yeah, because uh, the footage here is pretty rugged. <laughs> They're not getting a bunch out of it. Yeah, somebody goes down under the uh, view screen in ops and tries to tries to turn the little tracking wheel, clean it up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but the computer says that that tracking wheel is, is going to work, but it's going to take some time. And then the crew starts to kind of fracture into these weird factions or... There's a lot of intrigue, a lot of like, you know, one character going up to another and saying like, whose side are you on? Are you on Kira's side or on Cisco's side? And being like, you know, the other character being like, well, which side are you on? You know, like O'Brien is, is like a thousand percent team Cisco and really trying to pin Dax down on which team she's on. And uh, it's pretty obvious that she is lying to to him about. Uh, where her loyalty lies when she says that she's been friends with Cisco for such a long time that of course she's team Cisco. You've become quite friendly with Major Kira, haven't you? Have I? I was shocked at, you know, how normally in the trope of viral infection in Star Trek, yeah, you know, things can seem pretty gradual at first before ramping up to their climax. People fairly early on are are aggressive, like, Kalamini yeah. is full scowl pretty much from jump. Yeah, it hits them all at once. And yeah. and it's uh true to the title, everybody is acting so dramatic. <laughs> it's true I clapped the boards in my youth, but I never really had it in my blood, and that's what's so essential, isn't it? Theatrical zeal in the veins. It's really like it isn't an A, B, and a C story. What it is is like it's so it's people against specific people. There's like a very clear Kira versus Cisco thing. There's O'Brien versus Kira. And then there's like sort of secondary personality things going on, like Dax's bubbly forgetfulness and then uh, sort of the danger of what a bored Cisco would entail as the story goes on. Yeah, Cisco's affect is very like heavy lies the the Emperor's crown kind of deal. And he's, like, a little distracted and building a clock. But every so often, O'Brien will, like, coax, like, a vengeful and vindictive side out of him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Avery Brooks goes full 10 out of 10 on a yell at him later on in the episode, which was really surprising and fun. Yeah. But the one character that was in Ops that has lines... (laughs) Uh, there are people in Ops that don't have lines that appear to not have anything to do with this storyline. But uh, right. the, one, the one character that was in Ops that uh, uh, that is not affected by this whole situation is uh, is Odo. He is just uh, just kind of baffled at how weird everybody is acting, and he's like he's trying to get his mind around it. And meanwhile, Kira is like trying to get Dax onto her side. In my opinion, you are the most valuable officer on this station. It's a really weird situation. And uh, Odo doesn't have like a, a ton of tools at his disposal to deal with this. Cause he's not like a scientist. He doesn't, you know, it's, it's a little in some ways reminds me of the episode where Worf is uh, transporting in time. Right or or into different 
into different uh, versions of reality. Like it's like the character that least has a uh, has a a toolkit for dealing with it on the ship. Odo's inquisitive nature is basically the only tool in his toolbox for this, but like he can't do science. Tell me about it. Which is why he needs Bashir later on, right? To help to help solve this mystery. One question I have for you is like this is essentially a a body snatchers type story, right? But it never goes into horror. Like I never feel that sense of fear from you know these are people that we were supposed to know and like for the first 17 episodes and now something's taken control like it seems so political that it never goes into horror in a way that the story is usually told well there's like one moment of that and it's after putting the screws to quark odo is leaving the bar and his head gets opened like a book but uh I don't know, like, did they even ever explain what that was? It seemed to me as though the spirit of the thing was it was attempting to enter him, and and it and it ran into the liquid. Hmm. Like uh, that's like it looked like he was having a stroke, except both sides of his face were moving symmetrically. Yeah, not a nice look. I love the look of horror that Quark has in this scene, though. Like that that seems real. Yeah, like that's He's my grossed out. Like, that's my nemesis, but also the other side of the coin that I am on. Right. To be quite honest about it, I was in a pale. I'm fucking a pale. Mr. Bucket, I have to revert back to my living state. I don't use the bucket anymore. When Odo wakes up in Six Bay, it's kind of when the foundation of his uh, alliance with Julian Bashir is forged. But uh, it's a weird scene because he he wakes up and he says, like, oh, I don't remember anything, which is like, period? Or like before, <laughs> like, like anything what? <laughs> it, it is never explained what he doesn't remember. And I thought it was a bit of a slip up in the script that he would just be, he would just announce that and it would go unquestioned and un you know they they didn't flesh it out at all he should have said i don't remember anything before the you know or the last thing i remember is that is that klingon ship blowing up or something like that right i mean it's a it's a script supervisor's job to make sure that that everything flows on the page but it's a story supervisor's job to make sure that you know all of the pins in the storyboard are wrapped with the red thread and tied to something else. And this seems to be like a hanging pin, right? Yeah. It's a... It's a pin without thread. You got to have that red thread going somewhere else, to another pin probably. Yeah. Got to get that thread. I one day would love to have a mystery that I want to solve and need need a map and a bunch of headshots and red thread to solve it. What's missing from this picture? It's just me without my bike! Total fantasy. All of, all of my mysteries are just pins and limp thread. <laughs> it's a very weird wall in your house. It's just a bunch of thumbtacks with lengths of string hanging off them, not leading to anything else. Just a lot of pictures of Benjamin R. Harrison with, yeah. with pins in him Pe- and red thread coming out. People come in and they're like, is this, is this art or is this like a, some kind of modern art? No. <laughs> Get out of my room. <laughs> You're not supposed to be in here. What's the significance? I don't know. One of my favorite scenes in this is is when Kira goes into Quark's bar and tries to tries to leverage Dax into into taking a stand and taking a side. Yeah. And sort of admits to uh the idea of a coup that Kira's putting together. Yeah, it's a it's a really fun scene. There's a moment where like like they hear they hear a commotion and the camera like whips over and they see Quark like uh, kind of clumsily listening in and Kira like walks over to him full like power hips like struts up to him and it's like you want to uh, get in on this Quark and and grabs him by the lapels and then tosses him against the back bar. This is another continuity thing that I 
that I didn't quite understand because, like, does she have super strength from the thing that's inside her mind? I don't know. It, it... Because if she does, then the moment that O'Brien slaps Dax in ops could have taken her head off. Yeah. Like, where's the super strength then? Yeah. Maybe Ferengis have, like, bird bones and they're really light. That it, would be it, fun to know more about. It might be like a wire stunt, the way he flies back. Yeah. Like, he really... It looks great. He really flies back. Like, I mean, he doesn't fly back that far, but, like, she definitely, like, appears to lift him off the ground and fling him, you know, from, from two outstretched arms, which, uh, you know, I don't even know if I could do that, uh, and I have, like, a good amount of upper body strength. Have you ever entered one of those bar contests where you have to hold a mug of beer out in front of you for the longest? <laughs> no. To win a prize? No. Did that for an Oktoberfest a couple years ago. Like, Not like very arms long. straight out? <laughs> yeah, arms straight out, giant oh, yeah. mug of beer. Yeah, when it's I tough. was uh when I was in the crew team in high school, there was an exercise we had to do where there was like a short length of like a broom handle with a string tied to the middle of it and a weight on the string. And the string was like, you know, four and a half feet long. And you just had to rotate the broom handle and wind the string up till the weight was at the top and then unwind yeah. it and keep control. And it was like, I don't know what muscle this is building, but I don't have it. <laughs> you know? I now know what I'm tying my Benjamin R. Harrison pin and red thread to. <laughs> the answer is a broom handle. <laughs> this scene is followed by uh, one where Quark is in Odo's office wearing a Ferengi neck brace. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Quark looking for all the world like a ambulance chasing attorney. Let me ask you a question, Miss Toller. Did you enjoy being a guest of the state? He has a pretty real gripe, though. He was thrown across his own bar by Kira. Yeah, I would like to report an assault, sir. <laughs> Yeah, uh, totally on Quark's side here. Yeah. That was an assault. Yep. And Odo is, like, interested to hear it, but more interested in just how weird everybody is acting than, you know, enforcing any specific crimes. She tried to convince Dax to take her side. And did Dax seem persuaded? What difference does that make? I was attacked! Answer the question. He's still working the mystery in a macro sense, right? He's really like ears to the street, trying to figure out what's happening. He doesn't really have a theory at this point. Yeah. He's trying to get maximum information. Yep. So, you know, like he he, he takes a trip up to Ops and uh, finds that Cisco is in full clock building mode <laughs> and full like Coke hand mode too. Like, yeah. Do you, you notice that like Cisco's like, his like affect in this was guy at, at party who keeps going to the bathroom. <laughs> that is such a specific guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's him. So, you know, everybody's trying to figure out who's loyal to whom and what's going on. And, uh, eventually like, like Odo is like, all right, this station is going completely crazy and tries to radio up Starfleet Command and finds that Kira has cut off communications to anything in Starfleet. And uh, similarly, Cisco and O'Brien have cut off any communications to Bajor. So there isn't a way to, to get word out to, uh, to, the, to the people that might need to know that... Uh, that shit is falling apart rapidly on the station. This was the truly scary part of the ep. Like, this is the moment in the horror movie where the telephone lines get cut. Right. Yeah. Bad times. And uh, and he fi he finally like gets the gets the work back from the computer where it's cleaned up the the captain's logs from the Klingon ship and uh, and and the last log is about how they found like some some ruins and energy spheres and uh and there's like a telepathic archive within the spheres it's like the last record of some ancient race that you know where their civilization tore itself apart because of some power struggle and so that is pretty much the theory that he is going on after this 
But, Why uh, is that always the thing that a society that's tearing itself apart does? Like, this happened in Masks, right? <laughs> yeah, like, this is kind of like... We're going we're to document the downfall of our civilization and make you live it. <laughs> <laughs> it, it happened in the inner light, too. Right. It's such a curse. Yeah. It's like the last act of an asshole. It's like the guy in the action movie who is shooting the machine gun and he's getting pelted with bullets, but he's taken everyone else in the room out with him. Mm-hmm. These alien races are a lot like the the bad guy in Seven, where they like <laughs> yeah. they like think that their death means something. And it's yeah. like, no, you're just crazy. You're just crazy and bad. Yeah, the, the Deep Space Nine crew becomes wrath, don't they? They really do. If you had to put Odo's head in a box, you could just use a bag, right? <laughs> yeah. What's oh, in the box? A water balloon? It's a box with, with googly eyes. There's nothing in the box. He is the box. <laughs> so Odo goes to Bashir and he's like, hey man, what if we did something to mitigate maybe some like telepathic frequencies that are happening here on the station? What would that look like? And and uh, Bashir's like, yeah, we could do that, but why would we? We are trying to take over. This is a this is a power struggle. We got we got to keep our eye on the prize, Odo. And Odo's like, well, we don't want them to blow the station up before we can take over, do we? And Bashir is like, you're just as devious as I am. Let's do it. That's a really fun moment of Odo thinking on his feet there. Yeah, Odo doing some like reverse psychology on Bashir. And so Bashir gets to work and Odo sort of engineers a bunch of intrigue that winds up with everybody running down to a certain cargo bay and everybody that was in ops when the Klingon guy first showed up uh, gets down there and Bashir and Odo show up and the uh, and the like mitigating wave turns on and uh, a lot like the episode The Storyteller some some groovy head rainbows show up <laughs> above everybody's heads and uh and odo like blows the head rainbows out the airlock yeah he alien queens these rainbows yeah just a shame he didn't put on a dashiki to do it <laughs> i feel like that's been kind of established as what you do the dashiki should be a requirement <laughs> And it's literally like mind bubbles and they go out into space and like dissipate and problem solved. This is the second straight episode where the button feels like characters coming together after a night of heavy drinking and like (laughs) needing to apologize for the previous night's actions. Yeah. Because Kira goes into into Cisco's quarters and she's like, hey, uh, sorry about the whole coup thing. And, hey, remember and, when I tried to kill you? Feel bad about that. Yeah, not a good look. Yeah. But anyway, Cisco's pretty I think funny about it, though. He says, I think uh, it's hilarious that Kira apologized to, apologized to Cisco and not Cork, who is the most deserving of an apology. Yeah. Cork almost broke his fucking neck. <laughs> I think Cork fucking hates her from now on. Cisco, Cisco's sitting pretty with a beautiful clock that he made by hand. Yeah, I think the winner of the episode is Cisco, right? Beautiful yeah. clock, uninjured. Only, only one that got a uh, got a pan flute souvenir out of the thing. Yeah, loser of the episode, definitely Quark. <laughs> well, did you like the episode, Ben? Oh man, I did not really like this episode. I found myself kind of drifting in and out, and it was. It was actually like so boring that a couple of times I like got up and did something else for a while and came back to it. Oh no! Yeah, I uh, I just I just couldn't get into it, and I think it's probably a like a better episode from a writing standpoint than Marish, but <laughs> for some reason Marish just keeps my attention more. Yeah, for, for telling a very similar story, you know. The story isn't just derivative you know for star trek but the story is derivative for season one deep space nine yeah i mean the episode that preceded this one was a computer form of virus and then here we are with a personality based virus 
This seems to be well-worn territory that that isn't completely motivated with telling it in a different way. It's not even that different from If Wishes Were Horses, the episode from two episodes ago. Right. Right. This, uh... This sanity pinata is out of candy, Ben. <laughs> yeah. That's stop, what I think. Stop beating a dead pinata, Deep Space Nine writers. Well, you want to hit our P1 pinata, Ben? That always has candy in it. It's a, It's got root beer barrels in it. Oh, mostly. those are the best! Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Ben, our first priority one message comes from Kelly, and it is for Ben and Adam. Hey, I know those guys. Message goes like this. I'm catching up on your podcast from the beginning and just hit episode 111. Hey. And in parentheses, season five, episode two of TNG. It was like 80 something behind, but uh, an honorable uh, yeah. rate. Kelly uh, has a lot of episodes to listen to before reaching this one. Hope Kelly hangs in there. Uh, Message continues, uh, and I I felt compelled to throw you some scarves. From the content warning at the beginning to the carefully handled discussion of the the episode content, it made me grateful to be a viewer of your pod. Kudos to handling a tough subject sensitively. You know, Ben, when... Kelly wrote episode 111, season 5, episode 2. I wasn't clear on which one that was. I think we know which episode that is now. (laughs) But context clues have made it clear that this was the Deanna Troy mind rape episode. Yeah. It's it's an episode that I think we both feel weird about because it's not a fun or funny episode of our podcast. Uh, But I don't know how we could have done, (laughs) done that and not been real ass wipes. So it's it, the only I think we did it the only way we could have felt good about after. Yeah, that said it it is uh you know, not a little bit violates our brand promise of comedy podcast. <laughs> so uh but thank you, uh Kelly, and thanks to everybody that has sent us notes about that episode. I mean it's uh it's not a fun subject, so um <laughs> yeah, you're right. There's no there's no other way to do it. Yeah. Uh thanks for writing in, Kelly. Thanks for your support. Adam, we have another Priority One message, and this one is from Ira, the scarf guy. Hey, Ira, who was at our uh, our Philadelphia live show on our last tour. And it is for Tom S., Peter B., Ben, and Adam. It goes like this. Just wanted to say thanks to Peter for introducing me to the pod and Tom for helping me enjoy Deep Space Nine. Ben and Adam, episode 74 of Deep Space Nine will be your fave. Believe me, it will be. Thanks for helping me enjoy Deep Space Nine once again. Wish I could afford 50 bars of gold press latinum as live show giveaways, but maybe more scarves will have to do. Mailing soon. All right. Hey. Yeah. Uh, if you're if you're unfamiliar, Ira sent us a huge box with like 50 or something scarves that uh, had uh, greatest gen jokes all over them, and. Uh, we had so many of them that we just made a point of like flinging a couple into the crowd for all of the live shows that we did on our tour. And uh, somebody showed up to our Sketchfest show in one of those scarves, which was really cool. Yeah, she won the scarf lottery. Yeah, pretty fun. Was, yeah, I love it. Uh, well, thank you so much, Ira. Your uh, your generosity really knows no bounds. And uh, if you would like to support the show and uh, follow in. Ira and Kelly's footsteps. You can go to maximumfun.org slash jumbotron. It is $100 for a personal message, and it is $200 for a commercial message. It helps the production of our program. Thanks, guys. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, 
a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24x7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it. With Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? <laughs> did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! Indeed I did. I think uh, there's few places in this episode that are truly funny, but I think uh, the one spot where I found it was Quark in a neck brace. <laughs> Especially because he is acting so wounded in Odo's office. Yeah. But as soon as he leaves, he totally breaks kayfabe and and like <laughs> shakes his neck around in the brace like he is a-okay like it was all just a ruse can you explain to me what kayfabe is because i feel like i know but i uh i don't like follow wrestling that much and i i i, I i'm always wanting like a working definition of that uh kayfabe is the term of art for when a wrestler uh you know, is a character or or doing a work on someone else, like like when when he's part of a storyline in which he acts or has to act a certain way to sell a story. Mm-hmm. Like a wrestler acts as a character, but he also must hold a storyline in his head, uh-huh. and it's that storyline that is kayfabe. So, like a wrestler's a wrestling character's relationship to other wrestling characters, or like a rivalry or long storyline like those those are all like things that are predetermined right and and taken as being genuine by by the wrestler that's what kayfabe is and so like to break kayfabe would be like a, a wrestler like 
limping limping out and like acting injured from a previous match and then like when they walk away like they don't limp and it's like that guy just forgot that he is supposed to be limping right uh, kayfabe is is what you do when you're seen like right. you must be in character at all times uh-huh. you must you must preserve your kayfabe like a costume character at disneyland Right, you don't want you want you don't want any kids to see you smoking backstage. <laughs> That's not what princesses do. No. Uh, my drunk Shimoda is Dax. Uh, for I I just think like she is the character being the silliest and having the most fun in this episode. Like her, like whatever alien consciousness has taken over her is like a total airhead and is forgetful and silly. And, uh, like, the moment that really made me laugh was when uh, O'Brien, like, heads off to the elevator to go get on a runabout and look for the flight recorder. And she's just, like, lost in just, like, you can see that she's thinking about a lot and, like, thinking about something funny. <laughs> but it's a, it's totally inside her head. And it's a, it's a really terrific performance by Terry Farrell. And, uh, and it really made me laugh. Ben, what do we have coming up on the next episode? The next episode is season one, episode 18, the penultimate episode of season one of Deep Space Nine. Do it! (laughs) Kira Kira discovers that a Cardassian visiting the station could actually be a notorious war criminal. Should we find out if we're going to be drinking the drinks? Boy, I'm sort of hoping it's not one of those. This sounds like a serious subject matter. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, let's see. (laughs) Drinking during that episode would be a war crime. (laughs) Oh, man, almost as far from drinking as we can get. Number 14. Did I win? Hardly. This episode is safe, thankfully. Dodged a bullet. Yeah. Well, we should thank uh, all of the great uh, people that participate in all of the great online communities that have grown up around our show. Maybe too numerous to mention at this point, but uh, we really uh, love hanging out with everybody and uh, and talking to you online. We also love Adam Ragusea, who has made a ton of great original music for this show, and Dark Materia, who made the original Picard song that uh, that this show originally used as its theme music, and then uh, we went and asked Dark Materia if that was okay, and Dark Materia said it was okay, so don't write a Medium article about how we stole that, because it's only kind of true. <laughs> Uh, I think at this moment in time, we may be getting ready to announce a new tour. I know for me, uh, Sketchfest was a reminder of how much fun it is to do our show live. And it was a reminder of that. And also the morning after our Sketchfest show, I was super depressed and bummed out that I didn't have any shows on the calendar to look forward to. So we've got to do it. I know. Uh, So be on the lookout shortly for an announcement about the Greatest Gen Con 2017 (laughs) Tour, which is uh, what we're going to do in 2018. Details to follow. And uh, Uh, get on that. We've got some fun plans lined up for it. Yeah, get on that mailing list if you want to be ahead of the curve on that rollout. It's gach.biz slash mail to get on the mailing list. G-A-G-H dot B-I-Z slash mail. You can support the show financially by going to MaximumFun.org slash donate. Uh, you can support the show for free by leaving us a nice review at iTunes It is or wherever you get your podcasts. It's a great way to share the gospel of our dumb show. We really appreciate everybody that does that. And with that, we'll be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and an episode of... The Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine that uh, features the visitation of a notorious war criminal. <laughs> what do I say about... What do you remember that I can use for this plug? Because I, I don't know what to... I don't remember the ep at all. I don't remember the ep either. I just like the, the like super literal line read. That was really funny to me. <laughs> I can't believe right. I never thought of that idea. 
with all the all the 175 times I had to do it. That is that is a line read that couldn't have less effort in it, which is which is why you never thought of it because you put in so much effort into that part of the show. Oh, well, it was really beautiful to hear. I know. <laughs> all, all right. right. Let's hit stuff. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.